Come on. Into it, but the first Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show. I'm Jamie Renda, filling in for Joe Carey today, along with Dallin Johnson. How you doing, Jamie? Doing great. So there's a whole lot to cover in this program today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's start with, uh, so we do we do our own little uh, special called the Trump Tater Podcast, um, broadcast slash podcast, excuse me. Um, and we just got done doing our show, and we, we lead off all the time with, with what we call the Trump Tater Hot Takes. So let's jump into those Trump Tater Hot Takes. Um, you, you want to take it, Jamie? Go ahead. Well, I guess the biggest hot take of the day is that President Trump and Melania have tested positive for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of hate going out that way, a lot of people hoping they don't make it through it, but I think they'll do just fine. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, my prayers are with them, my thoughts are with them, but I just think it's crazy, the kind of hate that they've seen. Um, and and um, I, let's just start this off by saying there's... there's um, so much debate going on, you know, even before President Trump tested positive with coronavirus that um, I just want to share uh, something that I read, a statement saying that there's no solutions when it comes to coronavirus, only trade-offs. Um, what, what's your opinion on that? Well, definitely a lot of trade-offs, and so it just depends on where you think the trade-offs are better at. The impact I've seen from coronavirus has been people losing their businesses and uh, losing everything that they put their heart and soul into for years and years and all their family resources. Uh, Marriages that are struggling, um, depression that's going up, anxiety that's going up, especially in young kids that weren't able to have um, graduations that are not for sure where their futures are taking them, Um, child abuse, uh, spouse abuse. I mean, the the list goes on. Suicide rates. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so President Trump tested positive. He announced that last night, either late last night or early this morning. Um, and the response it hasn't been too kind, though. The response he's gotten death wishes. He's gotten um, hopes that he, he and the first lady pass away, um, that they're not able to beat the virus. Um, just it, it's met with hate. I always say this wrong, but I guess it's our chance to see if the three approach the chlor- uh, hydrochloric Hydro- hydrochloroquine yeah hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine thing thank you brian on that and uh, the z-pack and also the uh, zinc and vitamin well one thing vitamin d trump's got some yeah. vitamin d in him so vitamin d seems to be a factor on people how they respond to coronavirus and so make sure you're getting your vitamin d either out in the sunshine or taking vitamin d pills because i i heard that that's a big factor that people yeah. that uh don't do as well or low on vitamin d yeah he's going to be relying on that hcq in the the tanning bed for his uh quarantine right <laughs> he is so anyway I, I think he's going to do well and it's a good chance for him to implement something that he's kind of touted out there and see if it if it works well for him and melania yeah so and we, we talked about the risky um the risk that we have and the side effects of either closing down the nation, you know, or the economy versus uh, quarantining and, and staying inside, social distancing, everything like that. Um, how cool would it be, though, and how progressive would it be for the entire nation if he does come out and he says, look, I took the uh, HCQ and I healed, you know, within a week or two weeks or whatever, you know, I, I, whatever it is. If we could have take this this example of President Trump, because it's kind of convenient, we just hit uh, Red October. So <laughs> while that is for breast cancer, it, it is kind of a little leading that it's the first day of October and President Trump has has a coronavirus. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Um, but you're right. Let's let's talk about the risky decisions. Um, of, of closing down the economy and what that does, because th- that was a heated point in the debate. You know, we, we heard from both parties that, well, he wants to open up the economy, doesn't care about your health. President Trump in return says he wants to close the economy. He doesn't care about your business. Um, there's risks in both sides of this. There are. And also, I guess you could throw out there the mask wearing, um, you know, risk of not wearing a mask. And that's what he's definitely being criticized right now is wear the damn mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I, the risk on freedoms and other things that are out there and maybe 
Yeah, we, we've seen a, a definite high um, spike in areas that are wearing masks, and so that's not a guarantee either, but that sure will be a, a focus of a lot of haters out there. Okay. Anyway, that's going to be that's going to be a focus of a lot of haters out there on uh, on, on Trump not wearing a mask, and so we're yeah. about to have more national debates on that. Um, but uh, you know, Trump fits the category and a lot of ones that don't usually fare well. I mean, because he's in his seventies, he's overweight. No, no, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in denial on that myself on being overweight, so I'm definitely in that higher risk category. And so, it, you know, we'll see how he does. I, sh I certainly hope that him and Melania both do well, but uh, um, it's going to be interesting because he does fit into that high risk category for coronavirus. Yeah. And, and also, you know, if President Trump is able to, you know, make a healthy recovery, get through this um, and shows that even at a person with his age, the fear factor may not be what it's represented. Um, it might help the nation jumpstart into um, opening back up, you know, and, and getting back to normal. We talk about this new normal. New normal is, is one of the things that scares me the most. Um, I feel like it that it they, they use safety reasons, they as the government, they use these safety reasons and precautions and they disguise them as virtuous reasons that they're doing this. You know, we're looking out for your public safety. We're looking out for the elderly. We're looking out for um, whoever it might be. You know, we saw a good case of it during 9-11 or right, right after 9-11. The, the, the government comes in, TH, uh, or not TH. Um, TSA. TSA comes in. Um, it's all disguised as, as a virtuous reason that we're putting these safety, safety precautions in place. And then after the, the, the threat or the fear is gone, we look back at our freedoms and we say, well, yeah, but now we don't have this and we have this or we have to do this. Contact tracing, for example. We talked yesterday about uh, Utah's no bid contract on a contract tracing app that isn't even in, in function now. But contract tracing, that's scary. I understand the, the propaganda in, in saying, look, we're doing this to see who you're around, you know, if, if you go to school and then you're surrounded by 15 people that, you know, could have also caught it. Uh, we do this for protection. But what happens when the virus is gone and we still have contract tracing or contact tracing? Now, you know, a lot of people have this, they have this uh, mantra well, of, I don't have anything to hide. Why should I worry? Yeah, but invasion into your privacy is still something to worry about, whether you're hiding something or not. Yeah, well, it's just freedoms lost. And again, you know, not diminishing the fact that we've lost people from coronavirus, but we also lose a lot of people from heart disease, diabetes, and other uh, things that are totally preventable. So what's going to prohibit the government from forcing us to conform to a standard so we are not overweight, that we're not drinking 32-ounce sodas, or we're not uh, yeah. jumping out of airplanes or doing other high-risk adventures. And so it's definitely just a, you know, at what point do we say safety should not be a motivating factor on taking away our freedoms? Yeah. You remember, um, um, wasn't it New York that, that cut down the how much... Uh, soda yeah. you could bring or buy at, at one time. Yeah. Imagine if we moved, uh, if the government really was worried about our safety and our health and, and overall wellness as a nation, why not make a, a, a limit on how much fast food you can buy in a day or in a week, you know? Well, there's people talking about that. So for, for our audience out there, Joe's audience out there, we want to talk about our Trump tater just for a second because we have someone that uh, we're bringing on our program that, uh, so a Trump tater. Uh, I own a baked potato restaurant in Ogden, Utah called Brixton's Baked Potato, and someone was referring to Trump as a Trump-tater like a dictator. And I thought, you know, you know, I can't let that get away because I love potatoes and I love Trump. But I looked up the definition of Trump in the dictionary, and it means to outclass, outshine, outperform, to defeat someone or something, a dependable and exemplary person. And a tater means a home run. And uh, so anyway, we created this character called the Trump-tater, and uh, so... You know, we're not necessarily when we give somebody the Trump Tater Award that may or may not appreciate Trump uh, Trump himself. Hopefully, they can appreciate the Trump Tater Award because it's somebody that we feel is out there outclassing, outshining, and uh, being a dependable and exemplary person. So, the person we're going to bring on the Joe Carey program is someone that I feel has uh, really been very courageous in trying to listen to people that. Um, might not otherwise uh, align with a lot of uh, this person's uh, Jakari Kelly. And I'll just go ahead and announce our guest that we're going to be having on. 
and uh, she started the Black Lives Matter movement here in northern Utah, but she has recently been reaching out to people that uh, in the Proud Boys Association and has and has tried to listen to who they are and and uh, bridge a gap there between the two organizations. So we're excited to have Jakari on and definitely somebody that, that is out there out outclassing and outperforming in a time in which we need people who are willing to listen and reach out across to people who may believe differently and find what common grounds that we have. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know Jakari a little better. And it, her, uh, this breaking news or your efforts, you know, Jakari, um, they've come in response to um, a critical point that we're at as a nation. And I'm excited to get your take on that and your efforts, hear more about your efforts into, you know, not only solving that issue, but bringing both sides together. So when we get back with the Joe Carey um, podcast, we'll, we'll dive into talking to Jakari. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. I've had a lot of really great days back to back, which has been a huge blessing. Even my doctor told me, because uh, they asked me to bring everything in that I take on a daily basis. He was very encouraged by seeing what I was taking, and he, he said he didn't care how many I had. You know, he said it's food. And the form that at the end was something that he was very, because uh, he's an avid learner, and he's always researching, and uh, he's, he's always excited to see new things. And he told me, this would be good. This will help you immensely with the nutrition that you need. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up for Liberty Health Share today. As a Christian health care sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now and you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples and families. Best of all, there are no contracts. And plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. to the Joe Carey Show. I'm Dallin here with Jamie. We got special guest Jakari uh, Kelly, is it the last name? Yes. Uh, we got Jakari Kelly with us. She has um, organized the northern chapter of Black Lives Matter. Um, we're excited to talk to her and, and kind of get more in depth 
on not only recent events, but kind of how this opportunity and situation came about. Mm -hmm. um, what was your ideology going behind it? And were you looking to get involved? Did it just kind of fall in your lap? You know, is this something you've been passionate about? Just kind of talk to us about where this originated from. Um, so hum human rights has always been my passion. Um, I've been a nurse for 17 years or a medical assistant for 17 years. So I'm used to dealing with the most difficult people. Um, this uh, opportunity that happened recently, um, I was at Cottonwood Heights uh, rally and I walked, I was there by myself um, as a black woman, as a Black Lives Matter activist. Uh, I had my shirt on and my sign that said Black Lives Matter and I was surrounded by gobs and gobs of people with guns that hated me just because of three words. <laughs> what what rally was this? Who, who sponsored it? I don't even know whose rally it was. This I, was the Cottonwood Heights in response to the young or the teenager that was shot by police a couple of years ago. That's the rally you're talking yeah, about with us. So okay. there was an initial rally, which was that Sunday. Um, that Sunday they were doing Dance Dance Revolution and then some things broke out and then one of those uh i think she's a some kind of political person the city council member yeah she yeah. was punched in the throat and then all of a sudden everybody's talking about police reform but in the same breath like people showed up from everywhere um, they were concerned because there was also pro previous protest in Provo where a, a group called UCA was formed and also was at this Cottonwood Heights protest that day. And it, it was very scary. It was a very scary situation to even be surrounded by 150 people with guns. You know what I mean? Um, there's people with kids there, people with Trump flags there, people with American flags there. You just don't know in that type of situation where everybody stands. But the minute you have a Black Lives Matter shirt on, people automatically judge you and think that, all your values are in line with the national organization, which most of my values do because most of those values are human rights issues. And everybody should be in line with that at the end of the day. Um, we should not want to see anybody murdered by police. We should want to see the police that do this arrested and prosecuted and do their time in jail just like any other person would be. Um, so that's that's kind of how we got started in a conversation with the Proud Boys. Um, I noticed as I was walking down that <clears throat> this group that I've been told has been a white supremacy group, I noticed that they weren't all white. So that kind of like made me look at them sideways. I'm like, why are you, why are you here? And one of their members told me, I'm here to make sure nothing goes down. I'm here to make sure the police are protected. And that was an argument in itself. You know what I mean? Like the police get paid to do this. This is their career. This is something they signed up for. So what makes you think it's your duty to protect these people um, when we're the ones being murdered every day? Um, so it wasn't a friendly conversation. Um, so we didn't start off kubaya, so you know what I mean? Uh, then I left um, that rally, and the person that I met there was still there, and he ran into the Proud Boys again and noticed that they were not white. Not all of them were white, and that was Thad, which is the person that you call chief. And so that colleague of mine then um, set up a meeting with us because... You know, I'm always down to have a conversation with anybody. Um, I'm not going to let nobody steamroll my ideas. I'm not going to steamroll anybody else's ideas. I want to know who that person is. So when I met with Thad, um, their vice president and their president, we had a conversation about the myths that we heard about each other's group. Um, I really didn't know who the Proud Boys were at all besides being told they were white supremacists. I'm noticing they're not white supremacists. Um, I'm thinking they're all Trump supporters. They're not all Trump supporters. And so then I was like, well, then what's the problem? You know what I mean? Why can't we have an understanding? Like, I don't think you know as... Um, 
non-black people what it's like when a militia full of men and guns come to your neighborhood. It's a very scary experience for black people because those militias have murdered us. They have stolen our children. They have um, raped us as a community. And that's what they needed to understand. Like, you don't, you, you don't know what this looks like from the outside looking in. You're only looking from the inside out and thinking you're doing a good thing by saying you're a patriot and you're a proud boy. You know what I mean? Like, you need to have some understanding and some education on what this what this is really about. And that fostered conversation and education after that. I'm an educator on I'm an educator on civil rights and human rights. So and that's my business. I have a business called New Identity. And that's legitimately what I do. You know what I mean? I go to people and educate them on our movement, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, the civil rights movement, and how it got started, just so people can realize uh, that we can't keep putting Band-Aids on this problem. We need to solve it. And by solving this problem, we need to educate people and humanize ourselves. Us as a black culture have been dehumanized since the, our inception um, on this land, of America, which is supposed to be land of the free and the home of the brave, but that constitution was not written when black people were free. That constitution was written when we were still slaves. Mm -hmm. So that constitution does not um, benefit me because people still think I'm the enemy because of the color of my skin and that they don't want to educate themselves because they feel like you can go on Google and read the first two stories about somebody and it's true. Well, I, I definitely want to agree that I think we all kind of get our backs up against the wall and we're not hearing each other out. So I, I like the fact that you opened up your heart and you were able to have a conversation and find some common grounds. Um, now, just going back to Provo and the initial um, um, protest that happened there. So I'm just going to see if we can bridge a couple more gaps here in this conversation. As we watch on television and many people have experienced when roads are being blocked and people's cars are being pounded on or shaken or he's, in some cases like the truck driver was pulled from his truck and severely beaten. Um, in other in Provo? No, no, not in Provo, but throughout. So you, 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 everything kind of builds when you see things happening. So in Provo, uh, you know um, James Sullivan and uh, somebody that we both kind of work with, but his brother. Oh, I don't work with him yet. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm still I mean, on the look. The jury's okay. out on that one. Okay, communicate with, communicate with. Um, that John, his brother, is the one that formed that uh, protest in Provo. And they blocked, they didn't have per the pro right permits uh, to be blocking the streets. And the, a guy was blocked in his SUV and he was shot. And, uh, and so this militia group kind of came out in response to that gentleman that was shot in that uh, Provo protest. And so they just said, we have to come out and protect this. So again, everybody's backs are kind of getting pushed up against the wall. And, uh, and things are happening, and we're not seeing what that reaction is causing other people to feel. So when the militia group came out to the protest you were part of, it all of a sudden it instilled fear in you. Uh, because, you know, here are the big group of people coming out that don't support or you feel that don't support your cause or showing up with guns and everything else. But, the, you know, on the flip side, you know, the, the people who are driving in their cars and don't know for sure if the roads are going to be blocked and, and how. So we just have anxiety on both sides of that. So we'll get back and kind of talk about how we can understand where each other are coming from on the anxieties that are out there and the fears that are out there and how we can listen to one another because I really admire what you did in sitting down and hearing these people out on where they're at. So back on the Joe Carey Show in just a minute. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. 
former Vice President Joe Biden and his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, tested negative for COVID-19. They also thanked everyone for their messages of concern. And the vice president says he hopes this serves as a reminder, wear a mask, keep social distance and wash your hands. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows telling reporters President Trump is in good spirits and very energetic after testing positive for the coronavirus. He uh, is certainly wanting to make sure that we stay engaged. I think uh, the other thing that is is critically important, uh, the the doctors continue to uh, monitor both his health and the health of the first lady. Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee tested positive for COVID-19. Earlier this week, he met with Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. You're listening to USA Radio News. October 8th is World Sight Day. The day to raise awareness that hundreds of millions of kids around the world need glasses, but don't have access to get them. This World Sight Day, leading global vision nonprofit OneSight is launching a free digital children's book called Through the Looking Glasses, Stories About Seeing Clearly. The book features 30 children's stories and illustrations about seeing clearly by authors and artists from 17 different countries. To celebrate the launch, OneSight is hosting an online Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. You guys, your customer service and everything, you guys are great. And the commercials talk about it, but I don't know if it really gives it true justice. People need to know, this is maybe the most amazing product I've ever tried. It's so pure, it tastes so good, I'm just blown away by it. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code... USA. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says President Trump's positive coronavirus test changes the dynamic of ongoing negotiations over a new stimulus package. This kind of changes the dynamic uh, uh, because here they see the reality of, of what we have been saying all along. Pelosi also striking an optimistic tone, saying that she believes a deal will be done with Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin that will include another round of $1,200 stimulus checks. The U.S. economy adding 661,000 jobs in September, while the unemployment rate fell from 8.4% in August to 7.9% last month. That's according to newly released statistics from the Labor Department. The economy has recovered around half of the 22 million jobs lost due to lockdowns and other measures in response to the coronavirus pandemic. You're listening to USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show. Um, we're going to jump right back into uh, talking with our, our guest, Jakari. Um, Jakari organized the Northern Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter. Um, she's been very involved in um, not only organizing and attending political rallies, but speaking with people and understanding uh, the reasoning behind their attendance as well. Um, something we've talked about is, is being able to bridge the gap of opposition. Um, and, and see both sides in an argument. And, and that's kind of a lost art. And so I'm excited that we have Jakari here to not only talk about her past experiences, but to, to kind of educate us on the ability that she has to you know, hold such an active voice in, in Black Lives Matter, but be able to, to talk to the opposition. Um, so, Jamie, you had some points you wanted to get off your chest or, or talk about first. I'll let you jump into those. Well, you know, it's hard because I, I've been pushing for judicial and prison reform for a long time and trying to make more conservatives because I see it as a very conservative issue, actually. Uh, we're pro-life, and being pro-life, we should value all life. And there's definitely, you know, our prison systems have incarcerated people for the majority of their lives oftentimes. And there are definitely some people that should always be in prison because their crimes were so heinous Mm -hmm. that uh, they should be locked up forever. Mm -hmm. But for those, especially those who don't, um, you know, some drug offenses or drug usage and and other things that maybe we've taken the wrong approach on our war on drugs and we haven't actually solved the problem and we've cost our society so much. I mean, because it's not cheap. Incarceration is not a... Uh, a, a cheap uh, alternative uh, to these issues. So I, I, I think that both sides have been to blame on this and, uh, and that we need to come together as a society and say, you know, how do we fix this and how do we really rehabilitate someone so they can be back in society? And, 
uh, are these three strikes you're out? And that was a California law, by yeah, the way, three strikes you're out that put people away for a lifetime for perhaps just, you know, individual usage of drugs. And uh, so anyway, there, there's a lot of problems out there that we need to solve. But in our judicial system, it's definitely impacted. And and so that oftentimes that uh, we will have a situation you know, that gets brought up that, you know, in the black community that there's more crime, so therefore they have more interaction with police officers, so that's a factor of it. So then we have to go back and say, well, why is there more crime? And, uh, and, and I look at that, and there's a lot of despair and a lot of hopelessness in situations that they haven't felt the American dream to the extent that other Americans have in, in entrepreneurship and education. So if judicial system and... Um, and the prison system is the cancer that we're looking at within the black community that needs to be, that we need to cure that cancer. The cause of the cancer to me is education and the failing education system that uh, is in so many of uh, these inner cities that parents aren't given a choice of educational opportunities for their kids. So anyway, we're going to get into that a little bit. I'm sorry I got off my, my soapbox mm -hmm. on that, but uh, I definitely feel that we have to have a holistic approach to this. It's not a single issue. It's not just the 19 men uh, or women that are killed that are unarmed by police every year. That the, 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 the holistic approach has got to be started on why is there a disproportionate impact on black Americans in our judicial system? Why are more blacks in America feeling hopelessness and despair? And how do we go about fixing that? And to me, it's education. But, but right now, I think it starts with listening and trying to really understand why we're here, how we got here, and, uh, and trying to hear each other out. So, Jakari, can you continue the story of how um, you met Thad and how your conversations progressed from there. So <clears throat> I met Thad at um, a little meeting that we had. And after that, I seen that, okay, there, this group of men um, was made out of a joke. You know what I mean? And it got political at a certain point in time um, for the elections uh, when Trump was even running for president. So that's when they started getting political. Their boys club um, turned into a little political club. <clears throat> um, and so that's why um, they're deemed as white supremacists because there was a few of them that did go to Charlottesville, but they did not go to Charlottesville to participate in the antics from those neo-Nazis and those far-right extreme white supremacy groups in the KKK. Um, they went there to observe and because they didn't want to see anything go down. And this is what I was told. Um, the founder of the Proud Boys is very condescending. He was very disrespectful. Um, and we don't take things like that as a joke. So what he thought was good for clickbait um, was really hurtful for a lot of people. And that's why their group was deemed as a white supremacy group. So let's fast forward it. I had to teach Thaddeus about the root cause of this problem, which is systemic oppression. Every time the black culture has tried to uplift themselves, there was laws made to bring us back down. And with that, that's how, that's what us as Americans need to realize that this system was not made to help us out. It was, help, it was made to keep us down. If you've ever watched the documentary 13, it will explain it better than any professor could ever explain that. And so... I'm going to interject there because the 13th that just came out on Netflix. So I was really like, a, because prison reform has been a passion of mine, I, I wanted to watch it, but I thought, well, with Netflix, is it really going to be balanced? And uh, I was actually surprised. So if you're listening out there, the, the Netflix special, the 13th, it's on the 13th Amendment, which basically freed um, and made all, gave rights to, to all Americans. And, uh, and then, so it connected a piece to the puzzle to me on what happened 
after that and how our prison systems uh, escalated in population and why. So anyway, it's really, I definitely recommend anybody to watch that because I thought it was very informative and surprisingly not from a conservative view, I thought it was very well balanced. Mm -hmm. And it put blame on both parties and multiple different politicians from those parties and how we got to where we are in our prison system, which is a real problem, and we've really got to fix it. So anyway, continue on the 13th. Right, and then you realize the privatization or the privatization of these prison systems. Um, they started making money off of it. And so when you start making money off of something, you don't want that to ever go away. So then they had, they have groups, lobbyist groups like ALEC that would go out there and write these laws for these politicians, make their job as easy as possible and get those laws passed like <clears throat> the three strikes you're out law and the stand your ground law and things like that. Um, so you really, it's really eye-opening when you actually can't refute the evidence that they have to be like, yes, this, this is really a problem. Um, and one thing me and Thad actually agreed on was the two-party system is, in my eyes, horrible for one reason people are always fighting and there's always a black agenda and black people are not here to be pawns for anybody don't use me to get your point across and attach what you really want to a bill that would benefit me in one way versus what it's really supposed to be about so do you feel the democratic party has used the black vote yes both parties have used been been pitted have been pitting black people um, against each other, against this, um, against the system, period. Like, that's what people need to realize is if you vote Democrat, if you vote Republican, it's, it's, they're both a little bit of evil in my eyes because they both have used black people as pawns to get what they want. Well, I want to take you back to May 22nd because we all know what happened on May 25th is George Floyd. But May 22nd is when Joe Biden went on The Breakfast Club, the most listened to black podcast or radio program. And uh, it took a lot of persuading to get Joe Biden to come on there. It, every other Democratic politician always goes on there, but Joe Biden went. And matter of fact, Joe Biden finally agreed and then offered to send a black surrogate in his place. And, uh, and they said, no, that's not acceptable. Joe Biden goes on the show. He cuts uh, Char Charlemagne the God short. Uh, mm -hmm. He's 10 minutes into the podcast. He says, I've got to go. And, and the host is like, well, what do you mean you got to go, Joe? You can't do that to, to black media. He says, we have to have you back. We have 120 days before the election. We have a lot of questions to ask you. And Joe Biden says to him, again, the most popular person in black radio, and he says, if you don't know if you're going to vote for me, you ain't black. And that hit the errors and, I mean, hit um, nationally. Conservative blacks were upset about it, but black population as a whole were really upset about that. And so when we get back, I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, because I think that's kind of... Uh, well, we got to wrap it up. The Joe Curie program will be back in just a minute. In all states, including New York, offer not available in Washington. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. You see it on TV every day, global turmoil. But these international events help keep interest rates low and may even drive them lower. In response, we at Cash Call Mortgage have lowered our interest rates for the new year. And that's great news for homeowners. If you have a current rate above 2.99%, Call us to see how much you can save. If you qualify, we'll even pay your closing costs. And we can close your refi in as fast as 20 days with no upfront deposit. With our low interest rates and no closing costs if you qualify, there's never been a better time to lock in a low rate before it's gone. For a free quote, go to CashCallMortgage.com or call 800-299-1364. That's 800-299-1364. 800-299-1364.
The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up for Liberty Health Share today. As a Christian health care sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now and you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples and families. Best of all, there are no contracts and plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. back to the Joe Carey Show. Um, I'm Dallin here with Jamie and, and Jakari. Um, we're going to jump back into uh, Jakari going over some Black Lives Matter um, talking points. Um, we just got done talking about, um, uh, remind me, what was the last <laughs> segment? Um, was Systematic your oppression. Yeah, your, your conversations and, and kind of informing the, the Proud Boys and that organization of more than the history of the I, I guess your your social rights movement rather than response to what's going on in the nation, correct? Right. Um, I, I just want to go back a little bit. Um, I was going to ask you this a few segments ago, but we just ran out of time. This is common throughout throughout um, the nation right now. We see you mentioned that black people are often dehumanized mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason that is. I also feel that in return, law enforcement has been dehumanized now. Um, you know, and that to me, I don't see that as a viable option or answer to move forward. So how how do we stop um, the identity politics? How do we stop grouping? You know, well, I don't know what the number is. Nineteen Black Americans that were shot, unarmed Black Americans last year. Um, how do we stop? No, there is way more than that. No, that were killed. Shot and killed. Sorry, that were unarmed. Um, unarmed. Um, so how do we stop those nineteen making all cops bad? You know, and, and then in return, the the human to human killings or black people to black people killings, not making all black people bad. How do we how do we stop identity politics and realize dehumanization is not the answer and it's not going to get us anywhere? Um, you hold those police officers accountable. Oh, let's try that one. You know, once you start holding making these men um, less than now, you know what I mean? And actually punishing them for their actions. That's when you humanize the police, right? That's when you humanize the police department when they're actually held accountable for their actions. And I agree. I agree with you, but I I feel like my, my point of view, and I'm not always right. I was, in fact, I've been divorced. So obviously I've been wrong. Right. (laughs) So, um, my point of view is when George Floyd happened, I don't know a single person that said, that guy's a good guy, or that's a good cop. I, th- that was awful. That was <laughs> disgusting. It was a it was a horrible look for our nation and for our law enforcement mm-hmm. and for humanity as a whole. You know that that it happened, and no one in his team even had the the ability to jump in and intervene. So I don't know anyone that doesn't want to hold that police officer accountable. So why do, do I, why do we still have the rest of the efforts or the response when I don't think I think an entire nation agrees with you that they should be held accountable? Right. 
Well, I, I, I think also, though, that there are times that they haven't been held accountable, but... Most of the time. Well, I don't know. Well, we can. We don't have enough time to debate <laughs> that fully. We'll have to have you back on, because that is a discussion that we probably need a lot more time to, uh, to really understand each other and where we're coming from on that perspective. But because police are not just an average citizen, when, when a, a, somebody is being shot during what could be perceived as a crime and not always, uh, then the police have um, due process as well. And so lately we have seen that uh, people want to be a judge, jury, and convict police before they're even given due process. And, and vice versa. I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, there is a problem. I'm not saying there, there's not a problem there mm-hmm. because there is a problem. Right. But we, we have a system, and as flawed as it is, is there a system anywhere else in the world that's better? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, There are certain countries that have zero um, police killings. You know what I mean? With the same population that we have, though? Um, I'm not sure. I would have to do my fact search. And same diversity of population. Right. And if it's not in the United States, it's obviously a diverse population. Like, you can look at China and Japan and see what those rates are, because those are that those are some the largest population of people on the planet. Yeah. Right. Well, in China, but China I, I, yeah. is not. I mean, yeah. that that wouldn't be one I'd tout out there right because it's a right we just may not know about their police killings but right I, it's more like yeah i know what you mean yeah. <laughs> so let's just go back on george floyd that, that is one and because this is what's bothered me on george floyd all of america was behind holding the police accountable for that and then all of a sudden we have protests break out right but but those protests went a step further and that's what bothers me and we talked about that just a little bit in our previous segment Mm -hmm. is i believe those protests were instigated by people outside of uh, people like yourself that really wanted justice there so let's talk about that for a minute and tell me how you feel what took place next um, so people, that's when people see an opportunity because people are angry, uh, people that don't like the government at all. Uh, there, there are far right groups like Antifa. Antifa is not a far right group, though. or f- far, far left. left. Far left. I don't okay. know direction. Um, far <laughs> Eventually, left. they circle around and they meet in the middle. Right. They're extreme. So They're extreme. Right. So when you get a far left group like Antifa that is disguising themselves as Black Lives Matter protesters and being paid by these billionaires, these trillionaires in the United States, um, they're taking our narrative away from us by making us look a certain way. We all seen what happened in 1992 with Rodney King when he was beat to almost the blink of or brink of death. Um, And they seen how there was rioting and looting and. You know what I mean? And they took that as an example and tried to recreate it here in, in 2020. Um, but it should have, people shouldn't have been outraged. Um, people should have been outraged a long time ago with the death of Trayvon Martin. Um, Trayvon Martin was stalked by someone that didn't even live in his neighborhood and was murdered, and that murderer got away with it because of this stand your ground law. But what about the stand your ground law when it came to Trayvon Martin? I know if I was walking home um, and a man was following me in a car and I didn't know what his intentions were, he didn't identify himself, I would have had, it would have been a fight or flight response. And either way, I feel like George Zimmerman would have murdered Trayvon Martin. If he would have started running, he would have shot him. Um, But he felt super macho that day and wanted to confront a 17-year-old boy who was shot in his own, that's his own place of living. Like, that's where his dad lived. He was the only person that had a right to be there, not George Zimmerman. And people keep saying the but and the and. That shouldn't be... Um, that shouldn't even be part of the narrative. George, or George Zimmerman should have been persecuted and put in prison like any other murderer, but instead he was let free because of the system the United States built and made these stand-your-ground laws so people can get away with murder. 
But when a black person uses a stand your ground law, we go to prison. It's not a stand your ground law when you're getting beat by your husband and you shoot him. It's not a stand your ground law when you're getting robbed and you shoot that person. It's, oh, you shouldn't have shot him because it's not the same type of force. It gets real technical after that. And then we go to prison and we have to suffer. Our families have to suffer for that. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Well, part of it is also some of those uh, cases you're talking about are not in states that have a stand your ground law. Uh, because I think it would probably apply. There are good things about stand your ground law, and then there's some bad. And these these are discussions, man, we just really, we're going to have to have you back on because we really need to get in the details of this. And But I think the key to Jakari right now is that Jakari was willing to sit down with people that um, other, uh, other members of Black Lives Matter are really hating on you right now, from my understanding. And uh, so I think you were very brave in saying, hey, I, I want to listen. I want to bridge some gaps. And uh, I'm, I, and I've met Thad. We had a, and because this is now kind of out in the open, we had a meeting at my restaurant about a month ago. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a very diverse group of people that are on kind of polar opposites on a, or, what, or perceived to be polar opposites. And uh, so we thought because we're not we're lacking such leadership. Um, in our in our world and i'm not just talking about you know presidential because i happen to love president trump so i'm not criticizing trump on that but uh but even there there's some leadership that's lacking um on bringing people together and Mm -hmm. so we as citizens are are trying to come together and saying what what are how how can we do this and so jakari was there at that meeting and i'm just want to give jakari the last minute on uh on, on this uh, brave stance you took the other day on supporting the Proud Boys? It's because I did take the time to get to know them. I knew they weren't white supremacists, and I'm not going to speak for all the Proud Boys, but the America was built on a white supremacy culture, and we've all been ingrained with it, and so it's our duty to wake ourselves up out of that culture and to really educate ourselves, and they were educated to the point where they didn't, they're not, they shouldn't be deemed as white supremacists. Those men I met should not, and I felt like their life was at risk once Trump said the words white supremacy and proud boys like within the same minute you well, know what Bi- I mean? Biden's the one that threw proud boys out there. right and he was the one that threw it out there and Trump played off of it well Jakari thank you for coming on and thank you for being on the Joe Carey program and we look forward to having another conversation conversation in the future thank you